Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name's Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm in, uh, what am I talking about today? I'm going to talk about, well, I was on vacation for a little bit, and I will briefly talk about that. I will actually answer a real question from a real audience member, Mark, about outsourcing, which is a hot topic. I had a couple calls today, a couple coaching calls, and outsourcing almost always comes up and there's a couple like little little key things very important very essential and a couple things that I actually didn't know exactly what to do when I first started working online so we'll talk about that I have a small update on the site growth case study and the new podcast that I'm working on which it all sort of folds into projects that I'm working on and I guess the the two-week little vacation. And one thing to note, sometimes when I go on vacation and I take like big chunks of time off, I've done this where I take like a month off or even more. And it's kind of fun before I leave, I, I will work very hard. I have to you know, make sure I have content ready to go for the podcast, primarily on YouTube. I sort of publish at my leisure, although there's usually, you know, one or two videos, sometimes more per week, depending on what I have going on. The interesting thing is when I come back, I sometimes don't have as much content ready to go. So when I get back, I'm behind a little bit. And this week is a good example. I'm, I'm recording this just a couple days ahead of time. Today is actually May the 4th. And when I was scrolling through Instagram, wasting time, really procrastinating overall, I kept seeing all these, uh, you know, Star Wars references. I didn't know why. I was like, what? I, I don't get it. Why is Yoda all over the place? There's some other Star Wars. I'm, I'm okay with Star Wars. I'm not like a huge major fan. I'm not sure why. I know a lot of people are and they collect things and costumes and other stuff like that. Anyway, eventually I was like, oh, no shit. It's uh, May the 4th. So that was fun. I'm sure a lot of a lot of people posted memes or somehow got involved. I feel like it's too mainstream now. Like everyone's sort of taken that over, but I don't know. All right. So yeah, I'm going to hit this site growth case study update really quickly. So I have more content. This is a site just a quick recap. This is a site that I picked up uh, at the end of 2019, did a little bit of work on it in 2020, generally was able to increase the traffic and revenue by 60 and 70% respectively. And things are going fine. I mean, it's, I think it, in 2020, it made like $2,500, $2,600. And this year I'm working on it with brand builders they are publishing content. I roughly doubled the content in the March timeframe. I have a lot more content that I'm about to publish. It's being drafted. I need to take a quick look at it. And the other portion is link building. So they're actually doing some link building in the form of guest posts for me. There are 10 links that I recently was able to take a look at. I need to analyze them a little bit more and I'll have probably an episode and an update on that whole portion, just because link building is a broad topic. People are also interested in that. And they're also interested in outsourcing the link building portion. So at this point in time, I was really hoping that there would be more impressions on the Google search console. I was hoping there would be more clicks over to the website and more things ranking the new content ranking specifically, but it seems to be sort of static right now. So I need to get into the analytics to see if there are a few things ranking that I perhaps didn't see, but as far as the Google search console, it's rather static at this point. And I mean, it hasn't dropped, right? That's a good thing with the updates that come around pretty often. Steady is not bad. Steady isn't a horrible thing. So hopefully as we publish more content, as we get more backlinks, which the site virtually had no backlinks before, I think maybe like 10 or 11 of them. So the fact that we are actually getting links at this point is 
a really good thing. So we'll see how it goes and stand by for some updates. I do have some blog posts associated with that uh, case study. So you can check those out over at Niche Site Project. There's some graphs and pictures and a little bit more background information with more specifics. So please do check that out. One thing I'm going to talk about, I have been drinking uh, more beer in, uh, well, just a general sense, but the variety of beers is much greater. I recently did some homebrew competition judging. That's right. I am a BJCP, that's Beer Judge Certification Program judge. Um, relatively high, highly ranked on the national level, so it takes a decent amount of time. I have to take a couple, um, or I had to take a couple exams and get quite a few hours of beer judging under my belt. So I'm, I'm fairly experienced. And recently, I know there's a decent number of home brewers out there in the audience, and I appreciate every single one of you that, well, all the audience members, any listeners, any viewers, I appreciate it. And if you're a home brewer and you let me know it, it's fantastic. I talk about beer a lot, and whenever people tell me that they appreciate it um, or that they're involved in the brewing industry in some capacity, it's great because I, I like those people. And if you if you don't like beer and you don't like me talking about it, I, I apologize and I appreciate your patience to let me go on these fun digressions. The reason why I'm talking about it so much is I have been drinking more on the show. So I'm recording this in the afternoon and I'm about to drink this beer that I've never had before. It's called King Sue. It is a double IPA. It is from Top Toppling Goliath Brewing Company. And my good friend, Carl Jensen, recommended it to me. I was at the liquor store with him and he said, that's a really good double IPA. It's one of my favorites. And the description is this lusciously hazy double IPA gains its bold flavors of mango, orange, and pineapple from the use of delicious citra hop. The delicious citra hop. All hail the king. And it is out of Decorah, Iowa. I think that brewed in beautiful Decorah, Iowa. So this is the first time that I'm trying it. I don't know the ABV. I actually looked on this can and I looked on the box and I, you know what, unfortunately I didn't see it. So I have no clue, but usually a double IPA is a little, a little higher in alcohol. So, uh, cheers. It's pretty, pretty cold. I'm going to probably pour a little bit and let it warm up a bit, but this judging last week was intense. My friends, good Lord. I judged uh, roughly on average 50 beers per day you typically have a sample size of one to two ounces and you can pretty much judge a beer with one ounce. Sometimes you have to go back to it if you're really um, you know, sort of certain. Uh-oh. That almost overflowed. It's kind of an aggressive pour. It was my fault. But these beers at the uh, competition were excellent. So many of them were just fantastic beers. I would say only 10 to 15% had some sort of a brewing flaw. Those are sometimes off flavors, things that aren't supposed to be there, or perhaps sort of the wrong style. So it was pretty fun. It was a little bit taxing on the system. I would wake up my normal sort of uh, time, say six to seven or really like five to seven, I'll, I'll wake up and I'd walk Georgie, do my normal stuff, maybe have a little breakfast. I only actually did that one day, which was just probably half a cup of plain yogurt. So not, not a real hearty breakfast. I'll be honest with you. And then I would go to Louisville and go to the Brewers Association warehouse and then drink beer starting at about 8.30 to 8.45 a.m., and these weren't uh, light beers. There was one day I had, I think it was European lagers. So those are a little bit lighter in character and a little bit lighter in alcohol. And then there were other days where I started with barley wines and imperial stouts and strong Belgians, which I love all those beers, but goddamn, it's, it's a little tough first thing in the morning. And it does, 
it, it sort of takes the edge off and then adds another edge after a couple hours and you get to eat lunch after that. And then you drink more in the afternoon, fun time. And if people are home brewers and you want to improve your brewing process, become a judge. Like you sit and drink with people who have had more beers than you potentially. And it's a very interesting learning process where you're having fun, um, consuming the beer and you're, you're learning. There's a large intellectual component behind it. Those are some really smart people, especially the very advanced judges. There's so much information you have to absorb and work with. So that was last week. And I, I judged four days out of seven and some people did all seven days. Those are troopers. (laughs) They worked really hard. And if anyone entered in, in the competition, I'd be interested to hear. So shoot me an email feedback at doug.show. So the week before that, I was up in Leadville, which I did a whole episode. I recorded an episode out on the porch there. And it's a cool town. I know there's so many small, old mining, old mountain towns like that. And they all have their particular character. I have a feeling there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of similarities with the history and the sort of rise and fall of these towns. But Leadville is super cool. It's only a couple hours away. If you are in the Colorado area, if you're hanging out here at some point, it's a it's a place to maybe put on your list. It has the distinction of being one of the highest towns in the U.S. at 10,152 feet. So it's up pretty high. That's uh, two miles high. There's actually a, a brewing company called Two Mile Brewing, which unfortunately was closed for like spring cleaning the I mean, we're there for like six days and it closed. It closed the day after we got there and we arrived sort of in the evening. So we weren't planning on going out. So we missed out on checking out that spot, unfortunately. And during the couple weeks off, I uh, I don't know, I, I sort of stress myself out occasionally. So I was sort of busy and stressed out the couple weeks leading up to taking the time off. And I, you know, I wake up sort of early in the morning before I'm ready to get up at like 3.30 and I couldn't fall back asleep because I was thinking, oh, I need to record another podcast. I need to schedule these emails for when I'm gone and blah, blah, blah. So I wasn't sleeping super well, kind of interrupted sleep for a couple weeks leading up to the two weeks off. Then for whatever reason, I ended up being, I mean, I just wasn't resting as well and wasn't sleeping as well, even on vacation after all that stuff was done. So for a few days, like my, my system was still sort of stressed out or worked up about things to do. And I mean, it, it's nothing. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I need to relax a little bit more, but towards the tail end, started sleeping a little bit better. In the last few days, folks, I have been sleeping great. Like the last week, averaging like over eight hours per night. It's like a superpower after, well, I mean, frankly, after (laughs) drinking, (laughs) drinking all day for a few days per week, it is great to get some good sleep. I'm thinking more clearly. I'm less stressed out in general. So I am going to continue to, obviously, I always want to sleep really well. But if anyone out there is not sleeping well, if you can obviously figure out what the hell is going on and sleep a little bit better out there, you're just going to feel amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So there was one night I woke up at like, I think it was like, 6 30 in the morning. Right. And I was like, I'm going to try to fall back asleep. And usually I can't usually Georgie, my dog wants to get up. She wants to have breakfast, go for a walk, all that stuff. And I was able to fall back asleep and slept over nine hours that night. It was amazing. felt so nice. So, and let me, let me try this beer here. Let's see what's going on with it. Pretty good, pretty good beer. Definitely um, not overly bitter. 
a lot of hop flavor, a lot of hoppy aroma, but it's not overly bitter and it is very juicy. It's a very juicy double IPA there. So one thing that I'm working on is with Carl Jensen, who recommended King Sue to me, and that is the new podcast, the Mile High Fi podcast. And check it out if you're interested. It's about financial independence, Fi. And really, we we go on many tangents. We are covering a lot of those topics early on, but one of the cool things is we just talk about whatever we want to talk about. So we will follow a thread that is not on topic and we will go with it. Some of the podcasts are, uh, I think on average, they're about an hour and a half or so. Some are a little bit shorter, some are a little bit longer, of course, but it's been pretty awesome. Now I'm not going to do a whole advertisement for um, the show, although please do listen to it. I'm going to tell you about some of the, um, some of the grind, right? So I I love podcasting. I have now started three podcasts. This is, um, the third one. Mile High Fi is the third one. And I've literally launched like two shows myself. I didn't outsource any of the pieces. I set up the websites and set up the hosting on the podcasting company. I use Castos, by the way. They do a great job, very economic overall, no bandwidth limits, no file size or time limits either, which I think that's one of the big flaws with those other companies. You have to make sure you don't go over the time limit for the week or the month, which is nonsense. I mean, if you're doing a show and you have to edit things out because you went over the the time limit, which is kind of a silly metric for for a podcast hosting company to limit your account. But anyway, the point is we have run into a few issues, even though I've done three shows. And I think hopefully this is a bit transferable to other other people. So no matter what you're working on, um, people struggle, even if you've done it a few times. So the issue that I'm having is Apple has um, created, I guess, like a new platform. So it's the Apple podcast program and they're allowing podcasters to have like premium content where they charge for it. So there's like a payment mechanism and Apple takes a cut. I think it costs like $20 a year as a podcaster to enroll in it. And then you have those capabilities. I'm not planning on doing any of that stuff. Um, As far as I know, Carl and I aren't planning on doing any of that stuff for mile high fi either. So we largely didn't care. And I'm sort of leading up the podcast launch piece of it because I have done this before. I created a new Apple ID account for the the new company that Carl and I are putting together here. And basically I wasn't able to get into the podcast section of your Apple ID. It kept sort of looping and it wasn't working. It would log in. I would do the two-step authentication, log into the Apple account. I would get put into the podcast section, and then it would immediately log me back out and send me to the login screen. And it was doing this for a few days. It was right during the time when Apple was launching this new platform. New platforms are often, you know, they're buggy. Things don't work. They have documentation that says it's going to do this or do that, and it just doesn't work. So I I thought it was something related to that. Turns out it was actually a known issue, but there's like no like help available on that. And and the thing is, I have another Apple ID account where I, I have my my own podcast, and when I logged in there, it was kind of fucked up too. So it said, um we're basically under construction. There's some things behind the scenes. Check back later. I actually opened a help ticket, support ticket over with Apple, not really expecting much, but they replied back um, the, what do you call it? The confirmation that I submitted, it said, we try to get back to people in 24 hours. So I thought, oh, great. Of course, uh, 
I don't know, 72 hours later or so, they got back to me and said, we're aware of the problem, check back later. So what's the fucking point in that, of course? I thought the new Apple ID with the new company or for the new company was related to those bug issues for the new platform. It wasn't, it wasn't. So I investigated more, which I had done previously, but didn't go down this trail. So if anyone, there's probably like one to zero people in the audience who are having this problem. But if you, I guess, uh, create a new Apple ID and you're trying to create a podcast or access that section, you should put in some payment information, even though it's free to put a podcast on the Apple directory. You have to put that credit card information in there. And then you also have to authorize the machine which you are using on that Apple ID. So after I did those two steps, which only takes a few minutes to do, it worked and I was able to get in. Now, I don't know if there was an additional problem with the new platform and the migration and all that stuff, but it was frustrating because you literally can't do anything else. I was just waiting. They said, check back later. I kept checking back later and it was the same. It was the same thing. So at this point, I'm still stuck. Folks, I'm still stuck. It is nonsense. At this point, I have the information and the RSS feed all all set up, the website set up. You can actually listen to the first episode, but you can't listen to it on Apple Podcasts. It's on uh, Stitcher. It's on the website. It's on Spotify, but you can't listen to it on Apple, which is something like 50 or 60% of the listenership in general. So we are stuck right now because the art, the cover art, the 3000 by 3000 image is not being picked up by Apple at this time. My first mistake was actually, well, like most of these things, it's my own damn fault. The first mistake was I used a compressed image. So whatever compression was used (laughs) was messing it up. So Apple wasn't recognizing the JPEG in the, you know, exact format that it needed to be in and all that. So I haven't had this problem before, right? I've set up other podcasts, no issue. So right now the art is not being recognized. I actually contacted the Castos support. They got back to me in about two to three hours and they let me know, oh, here's uh, two to three things that could be wrong. Here's the error and here's how you could verify it when you finish, which is great. So shout out to Castos. Um, I was very happy with that support and it answered my question. I did have a follow-up because like I said, I'm still stuck now. So whenever this, whenever all these issues get resolved, the show will actually launch. Hopefully that's going to be really soon because it seems like it's been going on for a while. And I guess the, I mean, the punchline here is, I mean, if you're, if you're struggling with, let's say you're launching a new site, let's say you're having trouble with some things that seem really basic that other people seem to have solved already. It is okay. People struggle through stuff. Look at me. I should know how to launch a podcast. Carl is counting on me to get this in the Apple directory. And we're, we literally have like eight episodes that are pretty much ready to go. I mean, we've, we've worked ahead because we're going to be taking time off individually and all that stuff. But the point is, if you're struggling a little bit, it's okay. Just keep identifying the certain thing that's holding you up and really focus on that and keep digging deeper, ask for help open support tickets, ask your friends for help, find someone that has done it before, get help if you need it. It's okay to ask for help. You should ask for help. Be respectful, of course, and try not to um, like impose or put anyone out or anything like that. I'm super hyper aware of that kind of stuff. And um, you'll figure it out. It'll be okay. And I too will figure out how to get the artwork recognized by Apple is probably my fault, like most things are, um, but we will uh, figure it out. I'm going to pause here and drink uh, some beer.
Yeah, and I'm super excited about this Mile High Five podcast. And I know Carl is too. He joined me on the show a couple couple times over the past year. And we just had a great time with the tangents we went on and had a good uh, rapport. And we honestly, we didn't know each other very well beforehand, but as time has gone on and we're, you know, we're sitting down here in the studio talking back and forth, we're obviously getting to know each other a lot more. And, you know, we've been hanging out a little bit more, um, like I guess off the clock. One cool thing is Carl, he is well-established in the Phi community. People know him. He spoke at FinCon, which used to be the financial bloggers conference, but it's expanded to all platforms. So YouTube and podcast, blogging, probably other stuff, social media, everything, right? It's all encompassing. So anyone who is involved in producing content in the personal finance or financial independent space, they're all included in there. And he's been blogging and doing things in the FI community for something like eight years. We were able to interview J.L. Collins, who is actually quite a big deal. He wrote The Simple Path to Wealth. He was interviewed at one of the Google Talks. So if you go to the Google Talks YouTube channel, you will find J.L. Collins. His book is really successful. It's self-published in He's sold uh, over 300,000 copies, which is pretty insane. So it, it's really grown by word of mouth. And we've been able to interview him because Carl knows JL personally because they, they've known each other for years. So it's been pretty awesome. And I think we're going to have that caliber of guest pretty often. And we're also going to be interviewing just people that don't blog, they're off the radar, they're doing their thing. And I believe that's something I've done and I try to do on the Doug show here in the niche site and affiliate marketing world. Just talk to people who are trying to figure it out, people that have early success or they're just starting to get their footing and people that have obviously been doing it a little bit longer, but I try to get people that are sort of under the radar and or ask questions that are a little bit um, not off topic, but I want to go a little deeper. I don't want to ask like all the same questions over and over again. So anyway, it's pretty fun. It's very exciting and it'll be cool to see where the Mile High Fi podcast goes. You can sign up for the email list, dot club. Yep. It's a, it's a pun, the mile high fi club. So you could join that. That's our email list. So you'll be notified when it actually is launched instead of this soft launch nonsense. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. What, one interesting thing as I've been hanging out more with Carl and some of the people at the Mr. Money Mustache HQ, there are I feel like an idiot, basically. There's so many smart people in that group. And it's one of those situations where, I mean, I've done fine for myself, but there are people who are so smart in uh, different disciplines, successful in business. They were involved in startups. Um, We went hiking with a, a lawyer who retired early, not too long ago. And it's just very interesting, high, high caliber people, very smart. And I feel like a fool half the time when I open my mouth. Luckily, they do like to drink beer and uh, they were relatively interested in my beer judging uh, endeavors and just the whole process behind that. So they find me a little bit interesting too. It's mainly about drinking, which of course says a lot more about me than them. All right, let's get to the actual question here from Mark. And this is about outsourcing. And Mark, it's Mark with a C. So shout out to Mark with a C who sent me the very kind email. And if you folks in the audience have any questions, feedback at Doug.show. I read all the emails. If you send it to that email account, I will, I think 99.99% reply back. Um, I reply back to almost all the other emails too, if it's a valid question. I'm not going to read back everything verbatim, but Mark with a C 
wants to outsource and he wasn't sure how to do this securely and provide, say, WordPress access to a VA that he doesn't know, maybe he doesn't trust. He's just hiring him for a gig or a test or something like that, hoping to bring that person on long-term perhaps. And I extended this and, and thought, oh, I've heard people say, do I need to give my Amazon uh, backend and my login credentials to my VA so that they can insert links? Or what about other affiliate programs? So I'm gonna talk about those couple areas there. So number one, one of the biggest jumps in productivity for me, that was when I hired a content manager slash editor. That role basically uploaded and drafted all my posts in WordPress. It saved me so much time. That person worked faster than I did. They were better than me as an editor. This person had a a journalism background, so they worked much faster than me and more effectively with grammar and structure. And she understood what I was trying to do. And I've had multiple people in this sort of role as a editor and content manager. So what I did was gave that person uh, author or editor rights in WordPress. So look at the different roles in WordPress and you could figure out what the right role is. I'm assuming at sort of the lower level, you could provide someone with author access. There's certain things that the author can do and there's certain things that the editor can do. The editor has more access and can edit other people's posts that don't belong to them. And the author can't do that. There's several other things. So do go check it out. And I would say by default, give someone author access. If they need more rights, if they need to edit older posts, you may need to give them editor access. Don't give a just content-oriented VA admin access. The admin access gives them the ability to fuck everything up, basically. So they could maybe add plugins that you don't need or remove plugins or accidentally do something that changes the settings. Maybe they accidentally change the permalinks and create all sorts of issues with some back-end setting. So you shouldn't give admin access unless there's a very good reason to do it. And once that reason is done, once you've completed that work, it's usually a good idea to turn off that level of access. Now, that said, the fact that I have admin access (laughs) is somewhat comical because that means I could destroy everything. That goes um, into the importance of having offsite backups. I use uh, ManageWP. It's a cheap solution. I think it's like $2 per month per site. And you have potentially daily or more, I think you can change the frequency, but you could have daily offsite backups. It could be backed up um, using one of their internal uh settings, which I I believe they use Dropbox in general, but it's all integrated. You can back it up to whatever you want. So if you want to use Google Drive and have all the backup files go to your Google Drive and you have all those archived, I think you could do that as well. It's a really um, effective tool to do exactly what you need. I have used it for a few years and it's very important to have off-site off your server backups because let's say there's a small electrical fire in the server room and your rack of servers is actually physically destroyed you're screwed right if if your backup was just in a different directory or a different partition or something like that you're screwed you can't get it back it's uh you know melted or burned or whatever and the data is not recoverable. Good hosting companies will have those offsites somewhere, but in my opinion, 
the cost of two bucks per month, and there's probably cheaper or other solutions out there, it's so cheap that you may as well have that offsite backup. The good thing with Managed WP is they have like a one-click restore. So if you go in there, you start messing with your HT access file and you screw everything up, you can click one button and it'll restore everything to your website from your last backup or whatever backup you want to use. So manage WP. I'm not even an affiliate. The fact is, even if they paid out like a hundred percent commission rate, it's $2 a month. It's just a good tool. So, all right. So that's number one, WP, um, well, WordPress access, give author or editor rights that will potentially really improve your productivity, depending on what your hangup is. And for me at the time, I had several writers working for me and I was doing all the uploading. So it took forever, very slow at that. And I would try to edit something and then think, oh, I'm going to go a little deeper on this topic. I really want to put in my opinion. And then once I got out of that, I was able to publish so much more and just get out of the way. My editor did a, a fine job. She would amend things uh, occasionally. And actually, my executive assistant, my virtual executive assistant, does the same kind of work for me now on my sort of two sites that are uh, growing up at this point in time. One of them is that site growth case study. So I have a VA who still does the same kind of work. That said, little tangent, when I was looking for my executive virtual ex- assistant, which is really, I mean, really, I wanted a high level person who was professional. I didn't really care any of the skills as far as SEO, WordPress. Most of the things we talk about are easily teachable. So I didn't even worry about that. I wanted someone who had a English an English background, someone who was good with grammar and could actually do a better job in those areas than me. Not necessarily hard, but very important. So I, I really was looking for like an English major, some literature backgrounds, something like that, something where they were a better writer than me and they had more experience. So that's what I look for in general. So if people are looking for virtual assistance, if you're looking for a general assistant and admin and an executive assistant type role, I think English majors are a, a great approach, but probably philosophy too could be really a really good one. Okay. The other piece is the Amazon account. So number one, do not give people access to your Amazon account. There's so many things you could change in there and it's just not necessary. So you can use a specific template, uh, a format of a link where you have the ASIN included. That's the unique identifier for Amazon and then your tracking ID. So there's a specific format. I should probably put a link in the show notes here. I'll actually note that. And basically, if you have the ASIN and the tracking ID, then you can put a link to any product on Amazon and you don't have to have access to the back end on the Amazon side. Of course, the risk, if you gave someone access to your Amazon account, is, well, there's there's so many, but someone could put their address into the account and then order a bunch of shit and have it shipped to them so they get free stuff. Or they could put their payment information into the account and they could then take all your commissions. Of course, both of those things would only last for like one instance because you would know very quickly that someone was messing with you and stealing from you. (laughs) But I guess they could also order like a bunch of like gift cards, get all these gift cards pretty instantly. They wouldn't have to have those things shipped to them. They could just get the electronic version and then spend away. So another risk right there, probably not too too big of a risk over time, but uh, yeah, you don't don't give anyone your 
your uh, username and password to Amazon or access to that in any capacity. So you have this format and template for your affiliate links and check the show notes and description to get that. But the other part is um, you can use one of the many plugins that integrates with your WordPress dashboard so that your VA can just insert links using something like Amalinks Pro or uh, AAWP, for example. So either one of those, really easy for the person to just insert a link to Amazon to a specific product and it's fairly straightforward. So Mark, I hope that helps. Remember, give a lower level of access than um, you know you, you think maybe you would have to give for the WordPress side. Author is probably going to work for most people. Editor, if you have sort of a higher level content person working for you. And then as far as access to Amazon, don't do it. Other affiliate programs you may have to think a little bit more about. So one thing that I do is manage basically all my affiliate links in the free version of Pretty Links. That is a WordPress plugin that essentially creates a, uh, a redirect for you. I can't remember the redirect code, but I will set up for, uh, say, Link Whisper, for example. One of my, one of my favorite tools, uh, Spencer Hawes created it, and I have nichesiteproject.com slash Link Whisper. And then I set it up in Pretty Links to have the the sort of longer, uglier, link that is actually my affiliate link. And then whenever I want a link to Link Whisper, I could just use the pretty link. So nichesiteproject.com slash Link Whisper. The great part with that is once you set it up, then your VA can of course use that. Additionally, and this is probably the biggest advantage, let's say Spencer changes his affiliate management program and he goes to some other company, and the link changes. Well, if I was managing it on an individual link basis, and I always hard-coded the long, uglier link with all my tracking information in there, it would be kind of a pain in the ass to change. In fact, if it was just on one website, it wouldn't really be that big of a deal. But I have multiple websites where I link to Link Whisper, including my YouTube videos, and then all my my podcast um, where I mention Link Whisper. And then if I'm just managing this affiliate link using the redirect via Pretty Links, again, just the free version. I don't even know what the paid version have has there. It must be worthwhile in some capacity, but then I only have to change the Pretty Link, that new tracking ID for the new affiliate program one time, and then it propagates throughout. So that's the big reason I recommend people um, use something like Pretty Links. I'm sure there's other solutions out there, but I heard about Pretty Links as soon as I got started. I saw some other people using it. It's free. It had the functionality I needed. And in the long run, it made things so much better. In fact, you know, going back to the beginning, one of the first products that I promoted and the first Pretty Links that I created was Spencer's other product, his famous Longtail Pro keyword research tool, which I, I think he sold uh, mo- most of that. I think the majority of that, he uh, may still have a little ownership. I don't remember. Anyway, the point is Pretty Links is a great way to manage those affiliate links on, on the free. I mean, you don't even have to pay for it. It's a pretty versatile tool. So, all right. I think that I covered most of the stuff for today. And let me uh, take another sip of beer here. Quick shout out to a couple sponsors here. Definitely got to hit that. So Ezoic, they have their new tool Leap, which they are slowly rolling out. I was uh, chatting with uh, Tyler, their CMO, not too long ago. And I understand they're improving it constantly and they're slowly rolling it out to certain users over at Ezoic. Leap is the replacement for the site speed accelerator. And the cool thing with Leap, it will have no paid options. So it's it's free for people. 
and users that monetize using Ezoic. So if you are interested, you should check it out. There are, well, you know what? Go check out Ezoic anyway. They have a great blog. There's always a lot of cool uh, new sort of news information. I'm always behind. I don't, uh, you know, funny enough, I don't read that many blogs. Hell, I don't, I don't even look at the news very much. So I am often not up to date with the very latest and greatest, but a place like Ezoic has those things on their blog. And you should make, I mean, sign up for their email list. They send out uh, their latest content on uh, Fridays. I think they call it Five Bullet Friday. I think maybe Tim Ferriss probably did it first, but you know, I, I'm on their email list and I'm not on many. So thanks to Ezoic, much appreciated. And one thing, actually a little bit of a digression, one thing that was super effective for that site growth case study site, when I got it, I asked my VA to find frequently asked questions. And it's a technique that I've covered uh, probably in another podcast episode. And I think there's at least a couple YouTube videos on it. But the frequently asked questions method where you essentially Google a term and find a lot of people also ask questions in the featured snippet, not snippet, but the featured area of the SERPs there where questions are listed. That's what I'm trying to say. So questions are listed. Google is telling you that those questions are asked and you could kind of go down a rabbit hole and keep looking and iterating on those different questions, similar keywords and so on. I asked my VA to add those questions as subheadings for all the existing content on that particular site. It was roughly like 26 to 28 articles or so. And then I just asked her, hey, write the answer. Uh, You're Googling it and you're searching for these anyway. So you have the answer right there. And the cool part is it doesn't have to follow along with the narrative of the rest of the article. So the tone, the voice doesn't have to follow as much. I think that is one of the main things that really helped out on that site growth case study site. I didn't add a huge amount of content, but I was able to get more traffic and earn more money than uh, the year before by a pretty large margin. The sad part is if Amazon didn't change their commission rate, it probably would have been like, you know, 240% instead of 70% increase in revenue, but I'll take what I can get. So it was a good thing. I bring that up because niche website builders has a service it's relatively new. People are really enjoying it from what I understand. Um, it's, it's doing awesome. And f- from the standpoint, like I said, it doesn't have to flow with the rest of the content and it's just smaller pieces of information. It's a great service to check out if you're interested in essentially improving existing content, which is one of the best ways. I mean, I did that first for a very good reason. You get the results very quickly. It's very quick to implement. So from the perspective of like my VA, I actually told her, I was like, hey, this is great to do if you're just thinking, hey, I want to work for, we have a very flexible work situation. (laughs) I'm very, uh, not lenient, perhaps I am, but I don't care when she does the work doesn't matter to me at all. So I said, "Ah, maybe if you only have like 20 minutes and you don't want to like dig deep and do a huge amount of research, you could spend uh, probably, you know, 15, 20 minutes and put in one or two frequently asked questions on this content. So highly effective, really good thing to check out. Niche Website Builders has that service. If you use my affiliate link, which I get a commission for, and thanks for using it, you can get an additional 10% more content. They have some packages set up. They have a lot of things going on. So much appreciated from niche website builders. And even if you're not in the market for those particular services, they have other stuff too. So if you need fresh content written, they can do that. They draft it right in WordPress for you. 
I get 20,000 words per month from them on an ongoing basis. They have a shotgun skyscraper campaign you can check out as well if you're looking for that sort of link building or guest post and niche edit. So they have kind of a full suite of what they can do for you and a, a really well put together, well oiled uh, machine kind of content team. So thanks to niche website builders. And let me uh, pour the rest of this beer out. So King Sue, double IPA, not sponsored. It would be cool to have a brewery sponsor me. And as I'm drinking this hazy IPA, I was judging the New England IPA category, which is generally a hazy IPA. The sort of signature style out there for, or not style, but the signature beer, one of the the front runners for the New England IPA was a heady topper, which is outstanding. I, I had it once or twice when we were in Vermont back in 2014 or so. So I was judging this um, IPA category, and that was on the heels of judging two American Pale Ale categories prior to that. So I was basically, I had, you know, 20 to 24 American pale ales, hoppy beers. And then I went directly into this New England IPA, which is even hoppier. There's even more in there. And a lot of them are hazy. You know, a lot of them are not necessarily murky. It shouldn't be like muddy, like filled with yeast. It should be other, you know, proteins and stuff like that. But the punchline here is I was so sick of IPAs at that point. I, and I like IPAs. I will often order them, but sure enough, as I was talking to more and more judges, a lot of the, a lot of the judges, which almost all of them are high level. A lot of these um, folks judge the great American beer festival. So high level judges and almost all of them, 90%. I, in fact, I don't know anyone that spoke out and said, Hey, I, I really, uh, I'm scoping out. I tried to find these hazy IPAs. Everyone said they wanted just clear, straight up West Coast IPAs. Think Pliny the Elder, which is a double IPA technically, and uh, Blind Pig, both from Russian River. I had a Blind Pig up, up in Leadville. I, I picked that up. But anyway, sometimes you get a little, little too much hops, even when you like them a lot. And the hazy ones, occasionally, they just they don't turn out as good. And when you go to a lot of breweries these days, it's like 50% IPAs and like 80% of those are hazy in some capacity. So, all right. I did talk about beer a lot this time, but you know, it's, it's a full package. It's a full package here. All right. I think that's it for the day. Have a good one out there. I will let you know when the mile high five podcast comes out, it will be a lot of, uh, It'll be a lot of fun. I'm excited about that one. And I am uh, sort of rejuvenated with uh, podcasting as I'm like doubling down and really, really enjoying the format and chatting. And sometimes it amazes me that I can record a whole episode, but I've done a couple hundred episodes at this point. I can talk to myself for 30 minutes to over an hour, which is slightly alarming, a little bit troubling. I never would have thought, never would have thought it. We'll catch you in the next episode.